Chapter 23 of The Pirate Woman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Fatima Ansari from the beautiful land of Kashmir. The Pirate Woman by Elward Edward Dingle. Chapter 23 Stumpy Fires the Magazine. Milo and his slaves worked frenziedly at their task, his suddenly bitter spirit flogging them to unremitting haste. In the giant's troubled face, the smoldering spark of resentment had grown to an incipient blaze that required but a breath to burst into angry flame. One great chest was filled with the choicest of the gems in the powder store. It was set aside in the entrance beside the tapestry, and another box was opened before the powder kegs. Little Pascherette had ceased moaning, but from time to time a choking sob sounded from her alcove that increased the hard brilliancy of the light in Milo's eyes. The great chamber was silent as a mausoleum in the intervals between the clashing and tinkling of golden stones in the chest. From the outside, by way of the rock tunnel, came only the sigh and murmur of the crooning breeze, the softened plash of the tide on the shore, the scream of wheeling seabirds. All sound of the schooner had departed. There was no human note in the whole region. Then, as the second chest was almost full, and Milo pulled the third and last along in readiness, from the secret gallery behind the grove came the shouts and oaths of men. Weary, footsore men, but men with animal appetites whetted by the day of bloody conflict. They could be heard at the great door in the painting of the sleeping Venus. Not knowing its secret, their way was barred, but Stumpy's hoarse roar could be heard calling them back to the ledge, and there was a note of menace in his tired tones. And mingling with his voice was the voice of a woman of the camp, raised in shrill complaint. Milo stepped to the picture and listened. "'I tell ye the fiend has tricked ye, Stumpy,' the woman cried. Tricked me? Have a care how ye talk that way, woman, Stumpy's voice replied warningly. Aye, tricked ye and me and all of us, even now, come to the cliff and I'll show ye. The scrambling of heavy feet could be heard in the gallery as men rushed out in answer. How many men, Milo could not determine. But fewer than had followed Stumpy into the forest in chase of their broken foes, the slaves at the treasure chests paused in their work, alarm on their shining faces, looking ever toward Milo for instructions. Milo ran back through the great chamber and out by the tunnel to the cliff, peering around for Stumpy and hoping to see the schooner putting back. Without Dolores he was at a loss, yet he was not ready to leave his charge to be gazed upon by untried eyes. His breast swelled nigh to bursting at sight of the schooner, the Fufoyette was but half a mile away in a straight line from the cliff. She had been tacking against a light breeze and flood tide around the point, and while she had sailed several miles through the water, she had but just gained past the face of the cliff. And far from returning, she sailed farther and farther away as he watched, nursed with such skill of sheet and helm as proved to Milo's seemingly eye that her people would never return of their free will. And what of Dolores? 
His condor's vision picked her out as soon as the schooner. Her gleaming arms and shoulders swept rhythmically over and over, cleaving the sea easily and smoothly, her lustrous hair streaming behind her, and the sun glinting brightly from the gold circlet about her head. She was gaining foot by foot, and Milo keenly scrutinized the schooner for signs of surrender. There were none. At the schooner's rail, three heads were visible, but Milo knew neither belonged to Venner nor Pierce. That persuaded him that the schooner was unlikely to come back, and the even, tireless manner in which Dolores swam convinced him that she would follow to the end. Yet he would not utterly believe she had deserted him. He glared around for the men whose voices he heard now, raised in anger in chorus with the voices of the woman and her companions. Stumpy stepped out from the grove path with but four men behind him, and they were in sore plight. Stumpy himself dangled an idly swinging sleeve that was stained dark red to the shoulder. A red sear across his nose and cheek rendered him a demoniacal figure through the powder, smoke, and sweat. And his mates were tattered and cut. Their shirts bore red splashes to a man. Their grimed faces and fiery eyes held the passions of blooded men who see their reward flying from them. I tell ye she's gone for good, cried the woman who had brought the news to Stumpy. See, she's almost there, and three chests of treasure have gone in that vessel. Her swimming after it is but a part of her cuteness. Now do you believe, fools? The crippled, battle-scarred pirate glared to seaward with red-rimmed eyes in which flames of revenge started into life. His twisted, warped life had been spent in fighting and trickery. Today his work had culminated in a brave stand for what he thought to be straight and right. Reward he expected, but he earned it with blood and sweat hoping at the last that some of his earlier transgressions might be atoned for in his loyalty to his mistress. He hurled aside the persistent women, who sought some reassuring word from him, and mouthing rather than speaking a call to his men to follow, he plunged again into the grove path, and stumbled toward the ledge entrance. Here he clambered painfully to the gallery, cursing to himself bitterly, never looking back to see if his men followed intent only upon one absorbing thing. Revenge was beyond him, since there were left no subjects for his revenge. He had never seen the great stone at the chamber portals left rolled aside, could not even now imagine such a situation. No, if Dolores were gone in truth, and with her the strangers and the treasure, then it was certain, he thought, that the great chamber was sealed forever. And he would see into its mysteries, even though they proved barren now. He knew the way Dolores had shown him. Feverishly hunting for a flint, he tore some threads from his shirt and frayed them into tow. Then with his cutlass, he struck a spark and ignited his threads, carefully nursing the tiny flame until he could find a dry stick. This lasted him until a pine torch was found, and then he crawled along the gallery in search of the powder train. That he knew, for she had told him, would burst the rock asunder anyhow, and that would be enough, for he had guessed shrewdly that the gallery was connected with the great chamber by some secret egress. And who knew? Might not Dolores have taken in her haste but part of her vast store? Stumpy knew as well as Red Javez the tremendous wealth that had been deposited in that chamber of mysteries. 
for he had been with the Red Chief from the beginning. He had seen with his own eyes the riches of a hundred ships taken in there, and never a thing come out. She can't have bagged a lot, he muttered, fanning his torch into a red flare. But she'll pay for deserting Stumpy, or Stumpy's a liar. He found the powder train, and the moisture had dried from it, leaving only a little line of dry, quick-igniting powder. He was not sure just where the magazine was, not sure how long the train would burn before the explosion. So down he clambered again, searching at the great altar for the water vessels he knew should be there. Then, with a jar of water, he returned to his train and swiftly swept up the dry powder and moistened it a little, making a rough, slow match of it. Now we'll see the sights, he growled, and went to the end of the gallery and flung his torch into the train. He watched it for a moment to be sure that it would burn, then stepped down from the ledge and drew back a safe distance to watch the upheaval. To what extent the mine was intended to destroy, he had no idea. He simply knew that Dolores had pointed it out to him as a means of defense should the gallery be carried in the attack. He supposed, therefore, that it would shatter the gallery. Doing that, it must surely dislodge or loosen rock enough for him to break into the great chamber with aid. The thought recalled his men to his mind and he saw for the first time that they had not followed him. He started down the path toward the camp, shouting to them by name, eager to give them an inkling of the treat in store. But his hail was answered by another, and down the path a woman appeared running, her hair flying, in tremendous excitement in every line of her face. Stumpy, Stumpy, she sobbed and cried, in hysterical intoxication. Oh, Stumpy! The great chamber is opened, and it's full of gold and treasure. End of chapter 23